Ladies and gentlemen, you're now listening to the Hoop Kings Podcast, presented by Oracle Media. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sixth installment of the Hoop Kings podcast. Hey, it's your man, Coach Flight, and we're getting down in the gritty, talking everything from strategy to opinion to coaching with this thing called round ball. Hey, I'm in the booth with my brother from another, the medieval one, King Art. It is I and I am him. This is the medieval King Art, and it's so good to be back in the road of... <laughs> in the words of Marshall Mathers. So I'm so glad to be back in the studio, man, back in the booth. Talk about the NBA playoffs, man. Yeah, so much yes, in store. Sir. Let's go ahead and kick it off, man. What we got first, Coach? Hey, man, this is a special episode, man, during the NBA playoffs because here in a matter of, I'll say another month or so after the finals, we're going to announce the NBA MVP. For sure. And this is a special presentation from the Hoop Kings podcast. Get it on Spotify and Anchor. Holla. The real MVP. That's what we're going to title this one. All right, so we're going to get started off first. Uh, just to give a brief breakdown of the actual topics and segments of who is the real MVP. So, of course, talking about 2021, 2022. Um, for those who follow the game, of course, you know that Joel Embiid, Jokic, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo are at the top of the list. We want to break down what an MVP truly is from is the MVP the most valuable on their team, of course, but also are they considered the best player in the world or, or Skip Bayless would say the best player on the planet <laughs> or are they the best player on the best team? That's what Shaquille O'Neal states as as well so we're gonna break all the way down break get all your, that down for you get guys. your thinking cap on for sure so go ahead and start us off man hey man listen the 2021 2022 nba mvp mm-hmm. very interesting race first and foremost when the last time you see three bigs heading a mvp conversation i can remember there, there was a time back in the late 90s i believe it was malone duncan and maybe Shaq maybe with Shaq or maybe Jason Kidd that's the last time I can really remember two bigs really dominating the discussion because when you think about bigs bigs aren't sexy bigs aren't sellable to the fan they like little guys they like guards they like to do things that relatable to them but when you got three guys who produce magic on the court Mm -hmm. no pun intended Magic Johnson but (laughs) Embiid Joker, Giannis, man. Yeah. Three guys who have elite skill ability and who all present themselves as different style of bigs mm-hmm. as well. I agree with that, man. I believe the last you know big man to win the MVP was Shaquille O'Neal in 2000. So the fact that we've had this transition you know, since the, the, the three-point shot with Steph Curry and the Warriors and we had to adapt to that type of style of play. So you have your big man now stretching out to shoot the three ball, which all, th- which all three of these guys can do uh, out- outside of Giannis maybe consistently. Mm-hmm. By the end of the day, man, every team is going to need a big man no matter what. And I think just with Joel Embiid, like his footwork, able to shoot the three, able to shoot off the dribble, able to back you down mm-hmm. able to give you double doubles every night buckets and it's like then you have Jokic who can take the ball off the rim and go coast to coast with it and drop dimes so it's like you did not definitely did not see that in the early 90s and 2000s like for example I mean oh. I'm in school right so I'm, I'm 5'10 in, in the 8th grade art block 
get on the get on the block. Don't even think about stepping out shooting the three. You know what I'm saying? So like, if you six Fact. foot or taller back then, you're not even going to see it outside the three you point line. You went to the post, man. You know what I'm saying? But nowadays, it's like I was uh, talking to one of my friends of mine. He actually uh, he coaches uh, high school ball down in Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. and I was telling him, bro, like in five or six years, you're probably going to see just a bunch of KDs on the court. That's that's real. That's like real from spiel right you know there. what I mean? Like from one to five, like yeah. between six eight and six ten. Everybody can just do everything. Watch. It's it's amazing that you say that. Kids step on the court today shooting threes. Ma- warming up. And I remember just 20 plus years ago, we trying to tap backboard, trying to dunk, <laughs> trying to cross you over. We ain't even thinking right. about three pointers. Exactly. So it's just amazing the way the game has changed. I man. love it though. And you mentioned, and before I get into these guys' statistics, yeah. you mentioned just the style of each of them. Mm-hmm. Each of them present different layers of ability, man. Starting with Joel and B, like you said. Being able to play physical, but also have uh, a significant shooting touch mm. from the outside, man. Whether that's right. from three, whether that's fade away, he loves to get to, the, get to that pinch post area yeah. right off the elbow, man, and go mm. to work yeah. and really put guys in what I call the blender, man. He can either post you, he can turn, uh, turn and fade, he can post fade you, he yeah. can hit you with the one dribble pull up. Dude's got it all in the bag, man. Mm. And what he has created himself into be. With Philadelphia, uh, this is only a matter of time before we say, hey, is he the best in the world? If not, he's definitely top two or three. Yeah. But I think with the absence of Simmons and I think mm. with the uncertainty of scoring behind him, obviously we like to see Tobias Harris. They had Curry. He's obviously James Harden. Now. James Harden's in the fold now. Yeah. He's still providing a consistent touch needed for that organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he has an ability to me to even be better than where he's at right now. And to average 30 points a game, roughly 30 and a half points a game, 11 rebounds, four assists, Mm. played 68 games. That's tremendous. That's good for him. For him, exactly. Because he's a guy that missed a lot of time early in his career. And to play 68, granted it's not 82, but for him and to be at that size, what, 270 to 280, playing there and and playing big minutes too. I want to say it was around 33 minutes a game. Mm -hmm. That's still a tremendous impact that he had on those Philadelphia 76ers. I totally agree, man. And what I really want to break down with you and ask is when it comes to the three definitions of of the MVP that I discussed earlier, when it comes to most valuable to their team success, uh, best player in the world and best player on the best team. So just share with us a little bit how you came up with those three different types of uh, themes when it comes to being an MVP. Yeah, man. So when, when we discuss MVP and, and what I'll do here is piggy those one of these three back to each of these guys as we break down Joker and B or, or Joker and Giannis mm-hmm. here shortly. But how I came up with those, man, because when you talk MVP, it's really a vague... Um, it's a vague conversation that we have right? because there's really no true defined. He used to be the best player in the world that year. Yeah. Now it's team success. Mm-hmm. Are you the best player on the best team? Right. Or are you the simply the best player in the world? Right, exactly. But I think with the best player in the world, we get fatigued because you think of guys like LeBron who can win it just every about year. every year. Yeah. Michael Jordan, previous to that, Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Uh, T-Mac, who never won one, we'll get into that later. For sure. You get into guys who, whose skill level is just above everybody else's. Mm-hmm. I think the common fan and the writers 
lose appreciation over time yeah. for how good someone is consistently be. It's like a boredom, a boredom that has set in. Yeah. And so I think is it that's where you get the best player in the world. It gets muddied there now because yeah. people don't want to just be the best player in the world. They want you to have something commercial to go with it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the, the team success plays into that. So when, I, when yeah. you think team success, um, I have a Dark Horse MVP that fits that okay. team success. Yeah. Who's most valuable. And to me, it's really, it's really whoever the fans, the writers, whoever they deem to be most appealing to me. Yeah. And I think that plays a lot into each of these conversations because they're all different conversations. You could say the most valuable to team success could be Chris Paul. You could say the best player in the world right now is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. You could say the best player on the best team right now is Devin Booker. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Have said, hey, you know, where's he at an MVP discussion? Yeah. So to me, it's like each of these definitions can fit, but these are all conversations we're having because if you think about like who's the best player ever, and obviously. That's another conversation for another <laughs> show. Stay tuned on the Hoop yeah, Geeks podcast. That might be a special podcast right there. Oh, yes, it will be. Yeah. When you talk about who's the best ever, that's what we're talking about. Jordan not only was the best player in the world, but he was the best player on the best team, and he was the most valuable to his team's success. Gotcha. He fit all three of these. He categories. fit all three of these. Yeah. But when you look at LeBron James, he not only was the best player in the best world in the world, mm-hmm. but he's also the most valuable player. In team success, look what just look at the value of the team from a commercial standpoint. Exactly. Just look at how teams, the expectations move. Yeah. And then he's obviously the best player. Now he he may not always be on the best team, mm-hmm. so that one may elude him. But he definitely fits the bill of the first two. Yeah, man. But then if you think who's the best player on the best team, I'll take a guy like Tim Duncan over the last over this century, mm-hmm. 21st century. Tim Duncan, San Antonio has consistently been during his tenure one of the best teams in the NBA if not the best team in the NBA. And he's always been the best player, even though we've overlooked him and said such and such is better than him or having a better season. So when we fit those three definitions, man, it's very vague, but at the same time, it opens up so much conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I enjoy about the game of basketball. There's not one right answer. It's a whole lot of answers that fit different pieces to the puzzle and we try to create a picture that makes the most sense. Right. And I <clears throat> I completely agree with that. That's a great breakdown for answering that question. And then secondly, I, I think the year that you have your anomaly years, like the year like, you know, Russell Westbrook won and OKC was the sixth seed in the West, you know, because he had that, you know, the triple double that, that first year. And I'm just trying to think of um why do I'm trying to think if 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 analysts want to see like a certain player, say for example, like a John Morant, who's just came to the league, mm-hmm. and it's like they're already giving him the most improved player, even though like you're the number two pick in the draft, you're already considered an MVP lock. But it's like I just feel that probably next year he's going to get it because it's always someone that's on the rise. It's I think it's a narrative that the media tries to create. It's a story they're trying to tell. Exactly. And instead of saying most improved players should have went to Jordan Poole, Desmond mm-hmm. Bain, who those two guys, I, I would even throw a guy like, um, oh, goodness, you can say Tyrese Maxey, Philadelphia. Yeah. One of those three guys. I mean, I know there's a couple of more guys that stand out there. Jalen Brunson's another one. Mm-hmm. They're not going to fit the narrative of, you know, online clicks and commercials and right. topics on Sports Center. Yeah. So I think you give it to a guy like Ja, 
he say he's most improved, mm-hmm. and then you can fit that story in. Well, he goes from most improved to MVP, and exactly. you just slide it up because job fits the narrative yeah. of what you want to create. Yeah, and I just think that's going to be the next move, man. Because I think with Giannis, it's the fact that he he's still getting better year after year after year, and I can definitely see him winning the MVP like like LeBron was, like four out of five years, and then all of a sudden you got a Derrick Rose a squeeze in there, and it goes back to LeBron again. So when it comes to the MVP, man, I know we just talked about the definitions. I'm gonna throw it back to you, man, because our next question was, how will we actually rank this type of these these three definitions in terms of the most important or the priority versus the middle and the third? So off of those three that you just shared with me, um, do you have maybe a possible order what you, Coach Fly, consider to be what is needed to be an MVP of the NBA? I would say how I would rank the three defined definitions of what could be an MVP. I would say number one for me, I'm a little old fashioned, mm-hmm. who's the best player in the world that year? Okay. Who who separated themselves from the pack? And that's where I think you may get a guy like Giannis. And I know we're getting into Giannis and Joker here in a second okay. to bring it all back. But mm-hmm. that's where I look at a guy like Giannis who has now separated himself as the clear-cut best player in the world. Not only what he's doing statistically, but what he's doing in terms of opponents, how they scout, how they play uh, that deep of a roster. And it's kind of basically saying, hey, we'll let everybody else be to accept this guy. And he still finds a way to beat you. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, best player in the world fits that narrative uh, at number one. Best player on the best team would probably be third in my mind. And I'll probably put most valuable to team success second. Okay. Because I think with the team, the team award, it's the team. And if the MVP is a singular award for a single person, then I think we need to highlight that person's special ability that they've shown throughout the season. So I would say most valuable to team success is second. So where I put a guy like a Dark Horse MVP candidate, Chris Paul. Chris Paul was yeah. only averaging 14 a game, but he's averaging 10 assists, shooting 50%, close to 50% from the field. You got a guy like that who has changed the culture and has basically arisen that sad franchise over the 2010s into now they might be the best champion outside of Golden State that we've seen in years mm-hmm. if they are able to win the title this year. Um, best player on the best team not doesn't necessarily get the most shine. Devin Booker yeah. this year. Or you think in other cases, guys like I remember there was one year uh, right around 15, 16, I believe, Atlanta had the number one seed in the Eastern Conference was one of the top two or three teams. Well, I think it was one or two that year in terms of rankings. And Al Horford was your best player. Joe Johnson was your guy. Yeah. Those guys aren't in the MVP discussion. Right. So I would say that's third because I think that's that's somewhere where you can say, hey, he's the best player, but they might have the deepest roster. Mm-hmm. I think in this scenario, in this season, what we're experiencing, you look at the top teams, Phoenix, not only do they have – uh, the point guard, as they call him, and Chris Paul. Right. But you also have maybe the best two guard in the game in Devin Booker. And they, they look different than some of the other guys that play well on the best teams. And then you look at a guy like Giannis, who they're still a top two or three team in the world, but he's clearly the best player. So that's how I rank it. Number one, best player in the world. Number two, most valuable team success. Both three, best player on the best team. How about you, man? Coach Flight, I think... I want to go with most valuable to team success, one, best player in the world, two, and best player on the best team, three, Mm. because I'm looking at the three players that are considered to be 
in line for the MVP this year. And I'm seeing it in front of my eyes with Joel Embiid not being on the court with Philly. Clearly. They are a totally different team without him on the court. Yes, they are. And for anybody that don't know, right now they're down 2-0 to Miami. Thursday, May 5th, single to Mayo. They'll play game three uh, on Friday night. But they're down 2-0 right now. And big reason Joel Embiid's not playing. Exactly. And then number two, when I see Jokic on the court and... Good for him getting this team to the sixth seed into the playoffs and him by himself all year. But he just could not carry them over. And I think that if Joel Embiid was in that same spot, I just have, for some reason, I think he'll have more success. I just think uh, when it comes to the attention Embiid seeks when he has the ball, I just think he's better than Yoke. That's, that's just my opinion. Y'all can holler at me if y'all want to in the comment section. Hit me up. We can talk about it. But be friendly, y'all. <laughs> be friendly. But all that to say, man, if I had to have a vote, I'm still picking Giannis, man. I know I knew I just threw you out there. I'm gonna go for MB, but I'm still going with Giannis if I had to choose based off the criteria that we're talking about, man, because mm. his dominance. I'm going back to the way Shaq dominated the game. Yes, Giannis is probably he's shooting 12% from three right now in this series, but he's <laughs> but at least he's still shooting it though. You know what I mean? You still have to at least respect it. You got to pay attention. You know what I'm saying? Then if he goes to the basket, no one's getting in his way. He's 6'11". He's going to give you a triple-double almost anytime he wants to. He's the defensive player of the year candidate every year, MVP candidate every year, and everybody's already on the bandwagon of crowning him the best player in the world. KD had one bad series, and it just feel like they just threw him in the trash heap, and Giannis is up next. Go ahead, bro. That's a great point, by the way. I mean, I, I, I totally respect your point on Kevin Durant. Yeah. I know he's not necessarily part of this discussion, but that's what the playoffs does. The, the magnitude of the mm-hmm. moment, it drives fans, it drives writers, it drives media to come up with these crazy narratives, and it's just not true. Exactly, and that's why some people wish that MVP voting was after the playoffs. I, I, I totally agree, man, because I yeah. think – and I'm glad that the NBA has done it that way. Okay. Just, just to an extent because it it takes out the emotion and it makes you think. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if Giannis walks back to a second straight conference finals, second straight or third straight conference finals, second straight NBA finals. Yeah. Oh, he, he's got to rise up. I mean, that takes me back to who's the MVP. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you mentioned Joker. And I love Joker. He will fit the narrative of most valuable to team success to me. Right. Because without him. Oh, they in the lottery. De- Denver's old. They're, they're probably top five. <laughs> and, I mean, they're missing Jamal Murray, Michael Porter. How long are we going to have that discussion about them being healthy to support him? Man. I think, to me, if they're if they're on the floor, Denver's still playing. We're having a different discussion. Yeah. Jokic's his numbers, and he's averaging 27 a game. 14 rebounds this mm. year, 8 assists, mm. shooting 81% from the free throw line, mm. 58% from the field, mm. played the most games out of 374. Yeah. So his impact is there. Yeah. But at the same time, it's... He needs help, man. He needs help. But then I think with the other two, they put their stamp on oh, yeah. the game harder. It's different. They don't control the ball. Their usage rate... Maybe Giannis is closer to Joker. To Joker. Yeah. Embiid is more traditional style big man where they beat him the ball on the entry, whether at the pinch post or the low post, right off the elbow, top of the key foul line, wherever they get him the basketball. 
But to me, I don't... <laughs> Joker had a chance to win a couple games in that series in that series against Golden State. Yeah. And you allowed 6'6 Draymond Green to kind of fluster you. That ain't happening to MB. That ain't happening to Giannis. And so that, that's where I think he may be third. Okay. Despite having the great numbers. His usage rate is high, very similar to, I mean, you, you, Luka Doncic, Doncic, excuse me, has the highest ratio of, of ball usage in the league. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to put up great numbers. And he's, his importance is he's basically their point guard. But I agree with you, man. It has to equate to winning. It has to, cre- cre- it has to equate to a standard of excellence. And I think with the other two, even Embiid, Embiid had a, has, has had far more success in the playoffs than what Joker's had. Has Joker yeah. been in the conference finals? Just in the bubble. That's it. Just 2020. A, just in the bubble. Yeah. And B's been the one outside the bubble. And mm-hmm. B's consistently been in the second round here lately. Yeah. Granted, he hasn't broken through. But at the same time, I can say his roster to me isn't as consistent as what Joker had. Right. So oh, I, yeah, I, sure. I agree with you, man. I, I would say my MVP is Embiid. Okay. Because like you said, we're seeing the importance of him out. Mm-hmm. But then again, I do believe Giannis is the best player in the world, though. All right, cool. So you got Embiid for the MVP, and I have the Greek Freak. All right, perfect, man. So we want to end the MVP talk in regards to 21 and 22 season. But before we close out, move on to our next segment. Let's talk about the best players that have not won the MVP in the modern era. So that's between 1980 and this year, 2022. So I'm going to let you go ahead and go first, Coach Flight. Give me a player that you believe should have won the MVP and never won one. This is a heavy discussion, man. Yes, it is. We can go all night. With I mean, this. man. I mean, just, just, just some great baselines for maybe future shows, man. This is yeah, outstanding. Best player not to win MVP to me. There's two that stick out. Number one, and I went a little different. Okay, Patrick Ewing. Um, career averages 21, 10, two, three blocks. But what he did for a New York Knicks franchise. He was the man. Who, in the 80s, he basically resurrected them. Him, Mark Jackson, Bernard King late in his career. Yeah. Those guys basically brought the Knicks back from those years in the, in the mid-late 70s, early 80s to bring them back to some sort of consistency and dominance. And you've seen that matriculate in a finals appearance in 1994 and even in 1999 when they were the eight seed yeah he was hurt and if he's not hurt they're probably not an eight seed and they probably won the nba championship in 1999 mm. and i and, and that's even against tim duncan and against david robinson yep, young timmy yeah but I, I think over the course of the years man he's been if you listen to guys like shaquille o'neal and shaquille o'neal always highlights the best big men in the game starting with bill russell Kareem, Will Chamberlain is his top three always. Mm-hmm. But he also shows respect to the guys that he battled against. Yeah. You know, no matter how obnoxious he may be sometimes, he's always shows love. And Patrick Ewan, uh, along with David Robinson, is on that list, man, in terms of guys, Hakeem, that gave him trouble. Yeah. And so to me, Patrick, what he meant to the Garden, what he meant to New York, I mean, he was box office. You had to see the New York Knicks with Patrick Ewan. You're talking about a guy that can not only shoot from who had a who had an outside jump shot, who could hit that Carl Malone top of the key jump shot. He could also step out, man, and kill you from any point in the mid range. Mm-hmm. He was dominant on the block. He was a ferocious defender. He was, I mean, all defense, man, all world, all everything. For him not to win an MVP is tragedy. My next guy, 
This is a travesty that he's not even top 75 mm. coming to him. This is, a, this is a guy that has won multiple scoring titles, a guy who has lifted some of the worst franchises, and I put them on his back amid injuries. Tracy McGrady has to get the love and the respect that he deserves as one of the great players. Post-Jordan, and this is what Kobe, young Kobe, this is what Shaq, this Facts. is what Duncan, this is what Marbury, Iverson, you name it. There was a guy in Orlando who was the best player in the game until Kobe ascended in 05-06. That's just personal facts, and I'm a Kobe guy. I'm sitting next to a Kobe guy. <laughs> you can't tell us nothing about Kobe. But there was a five, six-year stretch in there where it was T-Mac. Yeah. T-Mac was the best player in the world. He just not have the team success to back it up. But you talk about the injuries in Orlando. Grant Hill was supposed to be there with him. Tim Duncan was supposed to go there with him. They killed the trade. Or they, they killed the signing right there. Mm-hmm. Yao Ming consistently getting injured in, in Houston. When yeah. Yao's healthy, you got other guys missing. I mean, Tracy McGrady is a, is a living legend. He Without McGrady, we don't have Durant. We don't Ooh. got some of the guys you consistently see today. And you always say, well, Dirk this. and Like, Dirk's a guy that's changed the game. You also, I, I look at guys who has elevated the game to a standard in how it's played. And you say, who are some of the great wings? Well, you look at a guy like Tracy McGrady, and he's bred by guys like Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Clyde Drexler, and so forth. Yeah. But for this modern era, for this last 20 years, you can't say who's top two or three wing guy without saying Tracy McGrady is one or two next to Kobe. You yeah. just can't do it. Bro, I, I love those picks, man. And I just feel there's just so much... Uh, disdain against Tracy McGrady's career, man. I don't know if because it was it was injury riddled, or because he played on bad Orlando Magic teams, or when he got to Houston, the 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 the, the ceiling for them to, to win with Yao Ming and T Mac, and you know Shane Battier skipped to my lose, like they underachieved. So I just feel like he's just getting the repercussions of that. And even when he went to mm-hmm. the Spurs, you know, try to get that that cheap ring. You know, he still couldn't get that either because they ran to that Ray Allen corner three. So at the end of the day, man, you know, Tracy McGrady, he, unfortunately, he, was, he was one of those players that didn't win the chip. You know, didn't get past certain rounds in, in the in the playoffs. But when you watched him, he just stood out so much, man. He's a 6'8", two guard. These were different times, bro. Like 6'8", two guards, 6'7", two guards that can also play offense and lock you down on defense. He, he was a guy to me that, when, when you talk about Kevin Durant as a unicorn of the game, stands out, you got to say T-Mac. And I could even say T-Mac was a little bigger physically. Yeah. He was, I mean, there bounce. he had bounce. Mm. He could get to the same shots that Durant can get to. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's a travesty that, I mean, the guy was 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, Playing the two guard. Man, without the ball in his hand, as much as you see guys today, bruh, think about that. Yeah. And, and, and and that's what I say, man. Like guys like that get district for him not to be on the top seventy-five is a, is a total travesty. Come on, Russell Westbrook, but Dame Lillard, Dame Anthony, Lillard Davis. Anthony Davis. I mean, I can name a few guys <laughs> right there, man. I mean, none against them young fellas, but let's just be real. Yeah, the disrespect has to stop. T-Mac is that man, dog. And I, I, I thought that a couple years that he was MVP viable and just didn't get it. 
Man, great. Very sad. Yeah, great remarks, dog. So in terms of mine, who um, you got, brother? I got. I just make an honorable mention to to D Wade first because I was watching NBA on TNT a few weeks ago and they just asked him, you know, was there possible? Put your shirt on at the Met Gala, bro. <laughs> hey, bro, if you got it, bro, flaunt it, dog. I ain't mad at you, homie. Man, that's how I'm pulling up to the prom. <laughs> but uh, he just mentioned that he thought he believed you should have won in 2009 and that was the year that he came in third behind uh, Kobe and, and LeBron James that year. Mm. So it's like when it comes to these, these players that didn't win the MVP like with Patrick Ewing, he just happened to be playing when Michael Jordan was playing. You know what I mean? And when it comes to these other players, like, they were playing when LeBron was playing. So, y'all wasn't going to win any. But this guy, um, he played on a team that is definitely not discussed when it comes to the the rise of the NBA in the 80s. Because, uh, of course, we all just know Lakers and Celtics. You know, the Lakers won five in the 80s. The Celtics won three. But when it comes to those years... In 89 and 90, uh, this is a team that decides to put the, the quote-unquote black hat on. Uh, they didn't mind being the bad boys of the NBA. So when it comes to the criteria that we had in the beginning of the show, when it comes to being the best player on your team and also leading your team's success, Isaiah Lord Thomas Oof. is definitely somebody I believe should have won an MVP during his tenure. He was a bad dude, bro. So this guy... You know, he took out the Lakers. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, so many chips they could have had. He could have took him out twice you if, know, he didn't get if he didn't get If he didn't hurt his ankle. Ooh. And then, of course, you know, they played the, I believe the Blazers as well in 1990. Stopped yeah, they were up and coming then. But Isaiah Thomas, I just believe that when it comes to him as a scoring point guard in the 80s that can handle the ball, can get the ball in the hands of other scorers, can play defense. I just feel that the point guards you see now are replicas of him. He he is the grandfather to these guys today. You know what I'm saying? And I think he fathered guys like Iverson. Yeah. Marbury. Mm-hmm. Francis. Yeah. He, he ushered in those guys. Mm-hmm. But he's the grandfather of these guys today. Yeah. Because imagine Zeke in this era. Could be cooking, man. You think Jaws cooking? <laughs> and then no, no disrespect against John Moran. I mean, yeah. he just. I, but if you talk pound for pound, I'm not taking John Moran over Isaiah Thomas. No, hell no. Guy's tougher. Guy can shoot it just as good, if not better. Mm-hmm. Just as quick. Is a pure playmaker. Come on, man. Thank, I, I appreciate you for your for your uh, being a student of the game, bro. Because I think yeah. that's what this show is all about, people. Yes, sir. It's bringing attention to the past greats. Bringing attention to the game's greats over the years that that get lost in translation as we have as time goes on and to hear Isaiah Thomas man I'm it brings joy to my heart bro because we we got real basketball fans up in this piece man Hoop Kings Podcast all right, Coach, and this will close out the show. We're going to talk about the playoffs, man, the second round. Uh, each of the playoff series are in game three uh, with the Bucks and the Celtics tied at one. Uh, Sixers and Heat with the Heat up 2-0 going back to Philadelphia. Uh, the Mavs and the Suns also at 2-0 going back to Dallas. And the Grizzlies and the Warriors at 1-1. So uh, talk to me first, uh, starting out east, uh, when it comes to Milwaukee and Boston, uh, when it comes to home court advantage, uh, Milwaukee getting that back. I, I said it in the last episode five, man, that we recorded. I said that with game one approaching, 
How is Boston going to adjust to the bigs? How are they going to adjust to having Jason Tatum basically become a second, third option because that's what Milwaukee is going to force him to do. Yeah. And I talked, I said, I said on this here, if Jalen Brown can beat him, Boston may be fine. Mm-hmm. And he exploded in game two. He went crazy. He went crazy. Yeah. Now we shift back to game three, which I think I won't be surprised if Milwaukee's up 3-1 going to Boston in game five next mm. week. Here's why. Because Grant Williams is playing great. Al Horford's a veteran, so his game can travel. Robert Williams, is he going to play the same way that he played in game two in Milwaukee game three with that crowd? Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Mm -hmm. okay, Derek White. Are those guys going to play consistently good for you? Is Jalen Brown going to explode for you in Milwaukee? Mm -hmm. He may get you 15-20, but is he going to go off in the first half of 25? I don't think so. I think Milwaukee let down. But I think going back home, getting one was important. Yeah. And I think they'll be okay. I love the defensive wall that as as what was created or what was stated by inside the NBA, they built that wall. And that's a defensive term, man, for getting back on D and pretty much not allowing them to get to that last level of the defense or even penetrate a second level of the defense. Mm-hmm. So to me, I look at it like this. Grayson Allen will play better. Yeah, the role players will play a lot Lopez better. Lopez will play better. Yeah. Portals will sh- shoot the ball better. Yeah. They're still missing Middleton, and they're still in the series. Yeah. I expected maybe go game three, Bucks way, maybe game four, Bucks way. How do you see that for series? I think with Drew Holiday being so solid, uh, playing on the road as well, I think him going back home is going to be an uptick. And as you know, you know, role players definitely play a lot better when they're at home. So I don't know if the role players of Boston will transfer over to Milwaukee. Um, I don't know if uh, if Marcus Smart is going to be. Is he hurt? He didn't play game two. Yeah, so that's going to be tough if he's not back. By the end of the day, man, um, I think Boston might be able to squeeze one out and go back 2-2, but I won't be surprised if it's 3-1 uh, going back to Boston. But I'm going to go 2-2. And just a few quick hitters, man. When it comes to Miami and Sixers, do you think Philly has a chance? No, Lejo uh, came out today. Joel Embiid is out for Game Three. I think this is sweet. Okay, so there it is. Going out. With- <laughs> uh, There's really nothing to talk about. We, yeah, we, you know how we feel about Miami. Is we'll we'll talk about them in the next couple of weeks. They play in the conference finals. Yes, sir. Another a quick hitter. It comes at Dallas and Phoenix. Do you think Luka Doncic can pull out one at home? He could. Okay. He could. I mean, I think going back with that crowd, Brunson will play a lot better. Uh, 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 Cle- not Kleber, uh, um, Bertans will play a lot better. Mm-hmm. Who he, he actually has played well. Okay. Um, I, I expect I expect Luca to have a Luca style MVP performance. Maybe a forty to fifty point game. Uh, he's got to get the ball out of his hands though. Okay. Because he's dribbling the ball way too much. Now, granted, he's scoring, doing his thing, and they're asking somebody else to fill in. But, dog, when you're dominating the ball every possession, nobody has a chance to score. I feel you. I mean, so, bro, you got to give it up. If that does not happen, this is probably a sweep as well. Yeah, I think if Dallas doesn't win game three, it's over. Because uh, we've seen Luka almost go for 50, and they still lost almost by double digits. Mm-hmm. So even with this best game, it's not looking good. But I just want to close out with this series. And this is probably the series of all series. Uh, when it comes to Memphis and Golden State, one-one. Hell of a series. Uh, going to Golden State, going back to the old Oracle. Uh, what do you think about that series, man? 
Dylan Brooks being out for game three suspended is huge. Mm-hmm. I think that is a that crowd will be raucous. Yeah, that crowd will up one Memphis, uh, up the Memphis crowd. Oh, for sure. And I, I can see Game Three being a blowout, going towards the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, same same scenario with the Bucks. I think you can't let a veteran team get one on the road and go back home. And that's exactly what I see with Golden State. They're going to be poised. Klay Thompson has not played well. I expect Klay to shoot the ball better in a friendlier environment. I expect Draymond to Draymond. I expect Steph to Steph. Jordan Poole is going to give you 30-plus one of these games. Yeah. I expect 3-1 Bucks, 3-1 Warriors by the time we get back in next week. And just to piggyback, man, before we close out the show, I just think that young Memphis team and that raucous crowd mm-hmm. at Golden State is going to be an eye-opening experience because mm-hmm. a Golden State crowd in the regular season versus a Golden State crowd in the playoffs is totally different. So I believe that's going to be a shell shock, and Golden State might win by 20-plus game three. It just depends on which Memphis team comes back game four, if they can come with more poise. But I think experience is definitely going to take a toll on the team. Uh, I mean, bro, we're I'll end it like this, bro. And, and as basketball fans, obviously we're Laker fans, as painful as it's been lately. Yeah. We're, we are about to be blessed with four veteran teams potentially lining up. Not, not saying the Celtics can't get there. Yeah. But four veteran teams lining up to go after the championship. Mm-hmm. And to get a a box office, and it's box office, Suns, Warriors, that is box office. Mm-hmm. Even if the Grizzlies squeeze it out, have the Suns in there, that may be one, that may be the best team next to that 72-win Warriors that we've seen in the last decade. Phoenix is I'm so serious. This yeah. is this is amazing mm-hmm. how they they're another gear. And and the same thing on the East. Jimmy Butler led team in Miami. You got Kyle Lowry. Oladipo was back. About time, brother. I mean, yeah. we we've said it in the past. Spoelstra, Riley, Udonis, the D Wade factor. It's all there. And yeah. the matchup against a potential Giannis. Man, we can't ask for nothing better, man. I, we are blessed to see some of, some great basketball here by veteran teams late in the season. Not saying I don't love my young bucks, but let's be real. This game has always been dominated by, by veterans, sure. and it will continue to be dominated by veterans. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been another beautiful episode of the Hoop Kings podcast, man. Listen, man, this is where we talk strategy, round ball, coaching, right here getting down in the gritty, man. As always, it's your man, Coach Flight, with my brother from another, the Medieval One. Love y'all. Tap in with us on Spotify and Anchor. Search the Hoop Kings podcast. We're coming with more fire coming out soon. Talk to y'all later. A work of art media. Yes, sir.